0: And welcome to this week's In the Oil Patch. My name's Alvin Bailey here with Kim Bilotto. Kim, how's everything going?
1: You know, we have been so busy out in the field, Alvin. It's it's just been amazing how busy we've, uh, the request for In the Oil Patch show to come and do a remote live or be on hand with Shell Oil and Gas Business Magazine. It's been amazing.
0: Yeah, the amount of coverage that the radio show and the magazine is, is getting recently is just, it's overwhelming.
1: You know, I believe that First of all, the oil and gas industry took a hard hit year, year and a half ago. And now to see that there are not there are a lot less publications in print. And, and while I'm glad that there's less competition, I do feel bad for those people that didn't make it through the tough time. But that being said, it has really also intensified our work. We need to be out there and we need to be covering what's going on. And so we've had these requests that have just been coming over and over and over again. And two, we've really grown to being, I think, the only publication in oil and gas that's in Eagle Ford. Uh, There are other publications, of course, but not as many focus on the U.S. shell-producing producers as much as we do.
0: You know, there's also, Kim, some some big things going on with OPEC, and we've got a great meeting with David Blackman coming up a little bit later in the show. But for now— I want to stay on, you know, the the topic of shale oil and gas business magazine, and you've got a new issue out.
1: That's right, Alvin. It is the president and CEO of Intervest Limited, John Walker.
0: And let's let's talk about the um, let's talk about the article a little bit and and unpack who is John Walker. Great guy, great company, and give us a, kind of a preview of the article, Kim.
1: You know, he truly is a model for how to do oil and gas right when you look at an. An individual that just sets out and wants to become this oil and gas mega company, if you will. And he had some tumbles and he had some falls. And then he finally figured out the right formula. And then after that, it was it's perfect. And, you know, when we were interviewing him, I, I don't want to give away the whole story. But what I will say is anyone that can raise billions of dollars from companies like GE and other really strong financial companies, you have to be a solvent and reputable company. And what Mr. Walker was able to do is demonstrate that he is that. And so he had some problems in the very beginning, but he overcame them. we all. Exactly. The whole point of the article is that entrepreneurship is alive and well in the United States. And if anything, it demonstrates how hard work, when you fall down, you get dust yourself back off, get up, and become something here it is in true form.
0: Yeah, when you fall off the horse, you get back on and you keep riding. Hey, let's uh, let's keep with shale oil and gas business magazine. What what's some of the other really exciting content that we're going to get in this issue?
1: Well, you know, one of the things that is really exciting to me is we do cover ConocoPhillips and their contributions that they give to the community. But we also have created a show that we will be. Uh, we'll have them on here soon to talk about all the different things that they're doing, specifically in the Equal Ford Shell. And so this was a great treat for us to just give our listeners and our readers just a, uh, a little bit of a sampling of all the great things that they do. Wonderful company, wonderful opportunity to be introduced to this great company, ConocoPhillips.
0: And the, issue, the new issue is out now. You can get it online. Go to shalemag.com, and the new issue is, is currently up and online.
1: Yes, it is.
0: Now, if somebody wants a hard copy of the issue of the magazine, how do they get that?
1: They would go to shellmag.com, fill out our information form, or they can contact us at 210-240-7188. We'll be happy to set them up on a subscription, hard copy. It'll come straight to your office or to your home.
0: Again, go to shellmag.com. That's S H A L E mag mag.com and uh, check out the new issue. It's a great one. Kim, the Offshore Technology Conference, uh, let's talk about that.
1: You know, Alvin, we went there as a to interview some of the individuals that uh, attended the conference, um, and some of the CEOs. And the one thing that I really uh, was able to gain from the offshore technology conference was the fact that there is a lot of buzz going on with Mexico, uh, Mexico offshore, Mexico onshore. It seemed like Mexico played a much bigger role than ever before in OTC, and. So I was pretty surprised, very nicely surprised by that fact. And then there were also uh, so many booths out there, so many different technologies that are coming on board to help in the offshore technology. But then, of course, offshore technology isn't too far away from onshore technology. So a lot of them overlap each other. So it was a great conference, a lot of uh, great people that we met. And, you know, Alvin, we ran into a lot of customers of ours like Pisa and we also got to interview the Secretary of State. So we're looking forward to bringing him on our show here soon in the near future as well. Great conference, a lot of exhibitors, a lot of attendees. It was amazing. And, you know, for a lot of our listeners who really don't understand what OTC is, it's the Offshore Technology Conference that happens once a year in Houston. And I just have to say it is the big boy of them all.
0: And, and I think, you know, as, as, if you keep listening throughout the show, later in the show, David Blackman's going to get into some of the things going on with OPEC, and I think big things are coming in offshore technology, big big things are coming in offshore drilling here in the States, uh, big things are coming in the oil and gas industry, and I think David Blackman's going to hit on some of that a little bit later in the show.
1: I agree with you. I think that what I was able to to gather is the fact that it used to be that the United States was, a, you know, a different part of the country, and then you had Russia, and you had all these different countries and all these different oil reserves, and different countries were doing different things. And it just doesn't seem to be that way anymore, Alvin. It seems to be that oil and gas, the market is getting smaller, and we are moving into this one market where everything that we do tends to all interact with each other. It's it's really an unusual situation that's happening, but I think it's probably a good thing.
0: The Women's Energy Network National Conference for 2017 just happened, and you were there, weren't you?
1: I was, Alvin. And, you know, to disclose, I do sit on the board in the Houston One chapter, which Women's Energy Network. And, um, you know, I don't sit on any boards. And and the reason why I don't sit on very many boards is because I just don't have a lot of time. We have the oil patch, and then we have Shell Magazine. And then, of course, I have a life, and I have a family. But I do find... That the Women's Energy Network is so important to women that work in the energy market. And so therefore, I do find time to sit on that board. And so we had our once-a-year conference, which is an amazing conference to bring all these women from all over the planet to come to Houston, which our conference was in Houston this year, and to talk about things that really matter to women in the energy sector, the professional women in the sector, and so it was an amazing, amazing. Actually, we sold out of the conference. I was so excited. First time ever, we sold the conference out. We had great speakers. We had Judy Smith, who actually, I'm sure you've heard of the show Scandal. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Scandal was actually written. Because of Judy Smith and the time she worked for George Bush Jr. And so it's an amazing, she went into all the different things that were happening, how scandal came to be. But actually, that screenplay was written on behalf of her and the role she played with President Bush when he was in office.
0: Great show. I hope she's getting some royalties off of it.
1: I'm sure she probably is.
0: So, Kim, if if women that are working in the energy industry and they're interested in WEN and they want to know more about WEN and why they should join WEN, let's talk about that for a second.
1: You know, Alvin, this is the only women's organization that I have found that truly accomplishes their mission. Uh, They do person-to-person events. Rather, it's uh, a chocolate and wine event. uh, They give scholarship money out. They literally host about... 300 events throughout the year. So there is something for everybody. And it isn't just women in the energy industry. We also have men that attend. We have men uh, that are keynote speakers, speakers throughout the year with us too. There's a lot to get from Women's Energy Network. But the number one thing that's the most important thing is the networking opportunities that a woman has to meet other women and other people in the energy industry or in the business industry and make connections to grow their either business format or their professional format. So I truly believe that this organization is a great organization to start for women. And anyone that wants to grow their professional portfolio, they should join WIN. And where they go to join is womensenergynetwork.org. Again, that's womensenergynetwork.org.
0: Or Kim, you know, you can also go to shellmag.com and keep an eye out for the link. When you click on when you when you find the Women's Energy Network link, just uh, click on that link. It'll take you to the website, and from there, you just find the chapter that's closest to you, and uh, voila.
1: And you know, one thing that I do want to say, which I'm really proud of with this organization, is we actually just established our Mexico chapter. So we are now international.
0: Well, Kim, that's about gonna do it for this segment. And as I mentioned earlier, great guest on tap for the rest of the show, David Blackman. He's our resident energy expert and associate editor of Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine. And he's got some outstanding information about OPEC for you today. So stay with us and we'll be right back with more in the oil patch.
2: AmeriJet's Global Cargo Network is ready to take care of all your shipping needs. With over 40 years of experience in the energy industry, we will help drive your excellent performance. Shipping general cargo, oversized, heavy lift, hazardous material, or mission critical cargo? AmeriJet is your full service logistics provider, offering air charter, airport to airport, cross-border trucking, and express shipping. AmeriJet will connect your company to over 30 major cities in the U.S. with more than 625 destinations worldwide. We provide global transportation solutions throughout the Americas, Mexico, the Caribbean, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Your company will benefit from compliance with the highest safety and environmental standards, 24-7 security and surveillance, and online tracking. Let AmeriJet's global team ensure the safe delivery of your cargo. For the best in customer satisfaction, AmeriJet Houston is your commercial shipping partner. Call AmeriJet at 281-617-2187 or visit us at AmeriJet.com. Once again, that's 281-617-2187 or visit us at
0: AmeriJet.com. Managers, bosses, supervisors, hey flu season is here, don't let the flu bug bite your employees banish sick days and keep your workforce strong healthy and productive with baptist healthy solutions your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you our mobile health unit delivers on-site state-of-the-art comprehensive care that keeps your employees healthy from the day they're hired till the day they retire Trust Baptist Healthy Solutions with your workforce health care needs. Health care that comes to you. Call 866-334-2485. Again, that's 866-334-2485.
1: Empower Rural Texas and join the Texas Rural Challenge at the Waco Convention Center from June 29th through the 30th. Hosted by the UTSA Institute for Economic Development SBDC Rural Business Program, this is the largest state event of its kind. Engage in innovative presentations regarding small business leadership and community development or business plan competitions for Texas small business owners and college students. Join the challenge and register as an attendee, vendor, or sponsor at TexasRuralChallenge.org.
0: And welcome back to this week's In the Oil Patch. My name is Alvin Bailey here with Kim Bilotto and Kim, you've got our resident energy expert David Blackman. He's also associate editor of Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and he's on the line with us. Take it away, Kim.
1: Thanks Alvin. David, welcome back to In the Oil Patch radio show.
3: Hey, glad to be here.
1: You know, David, I'm so glad to, uh, to have a show today that we're specifically talking about OPEC and Saudi Arabia. and. Part of the reason why is because there's just been so much activity basically with OPEC and as well as here in the United States, uh, the North American uh, shell players. And so my first uh, question is just trying to get a handle on all the different things that are happening. And so like three years ago, uh, starting in about May of 2014, if you remember, Saudi Arabia began to ramp up its production and export. And it actually started to flood the market with crude oil, which ultimately crashed uh, the price of oil. What do you think, in your opinion, motivated the Saudis to take this action?
3: Yeah, um, well, you know, in, in accordance according to their own public statements. I mean, there are a lot of theories uh, out there about it, but but the Saudis' own public statements, and I think we should take them at their word, was that they had. Become concerned that they were have been losing market share on the global market uh, over the previous five to six years as the shale oil revolution took place here in the United States. Um, you know, during that period of time, we basically doubled our daily production here in the United States thanks to the ability to extract this oil from from shale rock. And um, most of that, uh, not most of it, but a good good deal of that was coming out of the Saudis' market share. So they Their thought process was, well, we'll flood the market, drive the price down, and we'll drive the shale producers out of business. Um, You know, I think probably um, they wish they could have that decision back at this point.
1: You know, it's interesting that you're saying that because a friend of mine who's in uh, oil and gas said, well, I think it was OPEC blinked and they probably shouldn't have blinked concerning the U.S. producers. So do you think that Saudi Arabia and the other OPEC countries were attempting to gain this market share from the U.S. shell producers? Did that strategy succeed?
3: Well, no. Uh, it, it obviously hasn't succeeded. I mean, uh, you know, initially, I guess, during uh, the late 2014, early 2015, as uh, U.S. rig count collapsed, and uh, drilling almost came to a halt here in the United States. Uh, the Saudis did, you know, they, you know, they were flooding the oil uh, market with oil, and uh, they did regain some market share initially. But, you know, since that time, uh, no, they have not gained market share, and frankly, they're now producing barely more than they were producing before they went into this strategy. So, basically, you know, they just did not understand fundamentally. Uh, The nature of the United States shale industry, how nimble and innovative these companies are and how able they would be to withstand this kind of price collapse and continue on as going concerns. And, uh, you know, again, it was a just just a poor analysis of the nature of their, their, I won't say enemy, but their opponent uh, in the oil market.
1: Right. And I think the, you know, the unexpected strength shown by the American shell producers led OPEC countries to limit their output last December. And so, uh, you know, this was in an agreement with Russia. Russia also included was included in this. And now it appears as those those countries are likely to extend the deal all the way through the end of the year. And that's because, of course, there's still a glut of supply on the market why do you think the first initial six months deal failed to balance the supply and demand? I thought it was supposed to have worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: they hoped it would. You know, they, they basically, the plan was to take 1.8 million barrels of oil per day off the global market, which was pretty much, uh, what the glut was as of January 1st, you know, it was right in that range. And, uh, but again, what they they failed to factor in was that the, the U.S. industry is very quick, very resilient, very nimble, and immediately, you know, we've we've activated since that deal went into effect almost 300 new drilling rigs. Uh, every well produces so much more now than it did three years ago because things had advanced so much here in the United States during that period of time, and so they just didn't again factor into the account. That since last October, the United States industry has added 800,000 barrels of oil per day to its production. Uh, in just six months, we're producing 800,000 barrels of oil per day more than we were in October.
1: That's a lot. And
3: yeah, and so they, 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 the glut's diminished. It's smaller than it was. It's probably more like a million barrels a day instead of two million barrels a day, but there's still a glut. And there's going to continue to be a glut probably through the end of this year before for the markets are able to get into balance if OPEC does extend their
1: agreement. Well, you know, OPEC and Russia, they have both stated that they want to drive the price of oil up to $60 and, you know, basically keep it there. My question is, do you think that the their extension of their production cuts that they're going to keep through the end of the year will achieve that goal?
3: I don't think so. I don't think it will by the end of this year. Um, Assuming they do extend the agreement through the end of this year and keep it in place into 2018, I think they're probably going to have to extend it well into 2018 before they can get the price to $60 a barrel. Uh, but, But if they exercise that kind of discipline, there's a limit to how much we're gonna be able to increase production here in the United States. And we'll probably reach that limit here sometime in the next six to eight months because the price, as we know, has dropped into the mid forties and you're gonna see the US rig count slow down now because the price is too low for a lot of these wells. So um I do think that sometime in twenty eighteen we may see sixty dollar oil again if OPEC and Russia can stay disciplined and, and maintain these cuts. Um and the Saudis and other OPEC countries have said that's their intent to do so. So we'll see.
1: Very interesting. David, I want to get back on OPEC, but we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to End the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
2: PISA is the Petroleum Equipment and Services Association, who is the unified voice for the energy industry service, supply, and manufacturing organizations advocating and supporting continued achievements in job creation, technological innovation, and economic stability. PISA provides corporate membership opportunities in two categories, industry and allied. Over the years, a lot of amazing companies have become members of PISA, but don't take my word for it. Click on the directory on their website and see for yourself. In order to become a member of PISA, all you need to do is go to PESA.org, click on the membership tab and fill out an application. Once again, that's PESA.org. Home to the prolific Permian Basin and Eagle Ford plays, Texas is North America's most active oil producing region and its midstream operators handle millions of barrels of crude and cubic feet of natural gas every single day, which is why Heart Energy developed its annual Midstream Texas Conference and Exhibition, giving industry professionals a comprehensive look at midstream business activity from the state's premier shale plays to its massive Gulf Coast refining complexes. Join us at Midstream Texas, May 23rd through the 24th, 2017 in Midland, Texas at the Midland County Horseshoe Arena. You can register for this great event at MidstreamTexas.com. Once again, that's MidstreamTexas.com. We'll
0: see you there. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com.
1: And we are back. You are listening to End the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman, our associate editor of Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine. You know, David, before the break, we were talking about OPEC. And, you know, it's such an important topic for all of us to understand how OPEC really does impact the United States and our oil reserves and the price of oil and so I I thought it was appropriate that we should bring you on for a whole show and talk a lot about what is OPEC's mission and what they do, how does it impact us here locally in the United States? And so before the break, we were talking about some of the maneuvering that OPEC and Russia have done together to try to get the price of oil back up and has it been successful or not. But before the break, you talked about over 800,000 barrels being added to the market. Tell me a little bit about, you know, just in a half a year, where's all this oil coming from?
3: Well, yeah, and that's just in the United States. And, and, uh, you know, most of it, is coming from Texas, uh, you know, which is good news for Texas. Uh, over the half, the active rigs in the United States are operating here in the state of Texas. Most of them are in the Permian Basin. The Permian's, uh, gosh, the Permian's up uh, at about 350 rigs now. Uh, oh, it's which, just it's,
1: exploding.
3: It's crazy. Uh, you know, it was at about 370 at the height of the boom in 2013, 2014 time frame. So it's almost back to those levels out there in the Permian, and, and, and there's been a lot of ad, uh, added rigs in the Eagle Ford as well. Although you know the Eagle Ford rig count's sitting around eighty-five, which is about a third of where it was during the big boom, but still that's up from thirty-five a year ago. So <laughs> it's a big increase, and um, you know, so the, it's it's mainly coming from those two big plays. There's also been some rigs added up in, uh, in the Bakken Shell in North Dakota, and in the B.J. Basin over in Colorado as well. Uh, so we're beginning to see more oil drilling, really, in all the oil basins. Um, and, and you know, it's just a sign of a healthier price, basically, this year and a healthier industry overall.
1: Well, you know, in, in discussing the rig count that you, you've been discussing here and you know, God bless Texas for all of the, the rigs and the count, but you know, is it possible, or tell me, how much more can the industry bring online if the price remains strong or if it gets even stronger? What do you see will happen then with our rig count?
3: Yeah. Well, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens the rest of this year. You know, we do have uh, a uh, a lower price today than we did a few weeks ago. We're, we're sitting around in, mid, in the mid-40s, which is not a real healthy price anywhere but the Permian. There are operators in Permian that think they can, can you know, drill wells at $40 a barrel. So, but but the, you don't see, really see that in the Bakken or the Eagle Ford or other bases. Costs are just a, a lot lower out in, the, out in Permian right now. So, um, you know, I think what we're going to see the second half of the year, because this price is probably not going to rise that much as long as there's an excess of production on the market, um, I think we'll see a slowing rig count. It may continue to rise, but at a much slower pace. Uh, production will continue to go up in the United States, but I, you know, I think second half of the year, uh, it would be surprising if, if we add, uh, you know, 200,000 barrels a day to U.S. production. So, the good part of that is the bad part of it is we're not adding as many jobs as we have been the last six months. But the good part is, you know, enable you know, that that remaining surplus of, of supply on the market to be dried up. And we're seeing that already, by the way. We're seeing indications of that supply drying up now in in uh, inventory reports here in the U.S. and other parts of the world. You know, crude oil inventories and gasoline inventories have actually been shrinking over the last two to three weeks, uh, where they had been rising very substantially for, for a year prior to that. So, uh, there are good signs right now, but uh, I just think probably we're going to see a slowdown in the industry, not a collapse, but a slowdown the second half of the year.
1: And uh, out of curiosity, just real quick, like on Permian Basin, why is it that you say that it's not going to slow down over there? Is it because it has these multiple shell plays embedded within it?
3: Yeah, you know, the Permian is just a monster. It is, a as I uh, heard Alan Gilmer uh, say the other day, it's a super basin. It's, uh, it's, there are oh, something like that 11, word. yeah, it's super basin super is what he called it. Uh, it, was, it was a great, uh, he, he's the president of Drilling Info, by the way, a really good guy, smart guy who keeps up with all this.
0: Right.
3: But, but he was talking about the fact that there are basically 11 different shale plays in the Permian Basin alone, where the Eagle Ford is one big formation. Well, there's 11 of them in the Permian.
1: Just wrap and, your head around that and, uh, yeah, and imagine total that. Total reserves
3: in the Permian alone are probably bigger now than Saudi Arabia, really.
1: Oh, right. All that's
3: place there, and and so it's just a monster. And and you'll drill wells. The thing about it is they're stacked one on top of another. So a lot of these wells are going to have multiple pay zones.
1: Exactly. You
3: know, and yeah, so it's doesn't just It doesn't matter different. where you go
1: in Permian yeah. Basin, it's probably going to be really good. I want to get back to Permian Basin here in a moment, but I do have to take a real quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
0: Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at com. And
1: we are back, and you are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman, Shell's Associate Editor. David, before the break, we were talking about Permian Basin and what is making Permian Basin so successful compared to all the other u uh, s. shell plays. So I want to get back on that. How many different pay zones and how is it created such a uh, a frenzy out there in Permian Basin?
3: Yeah, so I, there's something like eleven different uh, potential shell plays out in that. Well, it's a gigantic region. It's the size of South Carolina. but but you know the difference is that it's out there, you'll be able to drill a well, and you may have three or four different paying formations, whereas, and Eagle Ford well, it's a giant. Eagle Ford's a giant formation, but it's one formation. Same with the Bakken Shell, same with the DJ Basin. And so you just have the potential recoveries from each of these wells in the Permian kind of dwarfs what the potential recoveries are in some of these other basins. And so, you know, that makes these wells a lot more economic to drill, even at lower prices. I mean, Pioneer Resources has said there's some of their wells that are economic to drill at thirty dollar oil prices, so it's just a different, different animal out there in the Permian than it is in these other basins.
1: And uh, what you said also before the break is that it looks like it's even larger than Saudi Arabia in uh, oil riches. Very interesting. I want to switch gears for just a moment and talk about natural gas. I, uh, there is one specific area, Haynesville, that is booming. Compared to some of the other gas-rich basins like the Marcellus and the Barnett Shell, not so much. So tell me, why do you think that this area is doing so well when it comes down to natural gas?
3: Yeah, so it's been a, a really interesting thing. The Hainesville is kind of soon all of a sudden. The rig counts uh, shot up very rapidly this year. And it's all about the fact that they have plenty of pipeline capacity to get the gas out of that basin whereas in the Barnett Shale and in the Marcella Shale, we we're having some pipeline constraint issues, uh, and so they're having a harder time getting the gas out of those basins to market. And then the other thing is the Haynesville is so close to the markets they serve. The Haynesville you know, is in Louisiana on the Louisiana-Texas border, and it's very close to two things. It's very close to the big processing facilities along the Texas Gulf Coast, and it's very close to the Sabine Pass LNG export terminal, where which is the only still right now the only operational uh, U.S. LNG export terminal that's taking natural gas to other countries now out of the United States. So, um, and so you know the Hainesville right now, the reason people are so anxious to drill there is because the, these these processing facilities, uh, the LNG export facility, and also chemical and fertilizer plants among the Texas Gulf Coast use natural gas for feedstock. It's just a lot easier and a lot cheaper to get the gas from from the Haynesville Basin than it is from up in the northeast, you know, the Marcellus, or even in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where the Barnett Shale happens to be. So right now, at least for the next probably year, you're going to see a, a pretty strong situation in the Haynesville
1: very interesting these pipeline constraints that you are discussing in other in other basins well does that mean that we might actually see higher natural gas prices soon
3: yeah well we have been somewhat a little bit um, you know and they may go a little higher uh, it, it's gone from around 270 280 in the MMBTU. now it's up into 320 to 330 range uh, so that's a pretty nice little increase it's Probably not going to go a lot higher than that. You could see it maybe in the high three, 360, 370 range sometime over the summer and into the fall. But uh, the problem is that there's just so much excess supply capacity in the United States. We're only running fewer than 200 drilling rigs or drilling for natural gas in the U.S. right now, where four or five years ago, we had as many as 1,400 natural gas rigs running. So. And we're still able to to increase overall production with just 200 rigs. And if the price ever gets up to around $4 or so, then then our industry is just going to activate a whole lot more drilling rigs very quickly. And production will go up and it will drive the price back down. So, you know, you're just not ever going to be in a situation anytime in the near future where you're going to have a really, really strong natural gas price, unfortunately.
1: Very interesting topic pertaining to natural gas. So, you know, in speaking about natural gas and its pricing, if we were to see an increase and we started to see a lot of activity in the U.S., how is that going to impact other countries like Russia that really are very dependent on exporting their natural gas?
3: Well, that's one of the big concerns the Russians have, is uh, and it's one of the big drivers behind uh, the building of these LNG export terminals here in the United States. We have such a low price for natural gas. Uh, And such a gigantic abundance of potential supply of natural gas that we we are able here in the United States to to supply natural gas to the same European markets and other markets around the world that Russia supplies right now. And we can do it at a lower price. So it's a big concern to the Russians that uh, the United States is really ramping up this LNG export capacity. And it could be the cause for, you know, tension between our countries in the future.
1: Very, very interesting. You know, David, the interesting thing to me is that when I look at oil and what's happening around the world and how it impacts us here locally, I also understand that a lot of that has to do with who are our leaders around the world to really impact that. And as simple as that seems, it's quite complicated and it changes consistently. And uh, so I want to get into, after the break, I want to get into my favorite topic with you is let's talk politics and oil. You are listening to In the Oil Patch radio show, and we'll be right back.
0: Hey, oil and gas friends, Alvin Bailey here. You know, every week, Kim and I work really hard to bring you up to speed with what's going on out here in the Texas oil patch. I also want to take just a minute to talk to you about your fleet needs. Whether you have one truck or 1,000 trucks in your fleet, I can help you. Call me when you have a minute and let's talk trucks. Did you know that the k Auto Group offers pickup and delivery right from our service departments? And I'll bring the dealership right to your desk. You don't need to drop what you're doing and come waste hours and hours of your valuable time haggling over pennies. I have a very transparent process with a simple pricing formula that ensures you're always going to get a very competitive price and the very best service available in the industry. So call me today, area code 830-480-3656, again, 830-480-3656, and let's talk. The Kalig Auto Group has Ford and Ram trucks for your heavy-duty needs. We also carry Mazda, Subaru, Volkswagen, Jeep, even Lincoln and Lexus for your luxury needs, and we have an Audi store coming soon. So whether you need work trucks for your day-to-day business or a new Lincoln or Lexus for you personally, call me. My cell number is 830 480 Three six five six again, 830-480-3656. or you can always email me a Bailey at kaligauto.com. That's a Bayley, Bailey, B A I L E Y at Kalig, K A H L I G Auto A U T O dot com. I look forward to seeing you down the road.
1: And we are back. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Blackman. David, before the break, um, I said I wanted to get on. Politics, because that is my favorite topic to talk to you about. Um, and, you know, we've had a, a new administration. Obviously, President Trump has come in, and he, quite frankly, has already changed the direction of our national energy policy here in the U.S. You've written on this quite a bit in Shell Magazine. And a big part of his America First Energy Plan has to do with reducing America's reliance on energy imports and encouraging more oil production here at home.
3: You know, we've, we've talked about how the higher price that, that has come about uh, early this year, thanks to the OPEC agreement, has, you know, encouraged companies here in the United States to activate more rigs and drill more wells. But, but I will tell you that it's, it's, it's not just that, it's also the, the outcome of the election. Uh, and it has to do with psychology and confidence. Uh, with the oil and gas business, it's such a high-risk, high-investment business. You're you're risking millions and millions of dollars on every one of these wells, and you don't know how they're going to turn out until you you've completed them. And companies are no different than people. The management teams at these big companies who are drilling these wells are going to be more willing to take those risks and invest those millions and millions of dollars in drilling these wells if they have confidence that the federal government is going to to implement policies, as President Trump has gone about doing already, that are going to be pro-business and the kinds of policies that allow uh, these companies to to get their business done without massive interference. Uh, from new regulations and and a hostile administration as we've had the last eight years. So, yes, it's made a big, big difference already. It's going to continue to make a big difference as we go through time. And, you know, this competition between the United States and these OPEC countries is really part of the vision of Trump's energy, America First Energy Plan, which the big centerpiece of it is, as you said, reducing our reliance on OPEC imports. Uh, and, and making this country more energy secure and uh, we're well on our path to doing that.
1: Well you know another interesting uh, observation has been a lot of editorial pieces and opinion pieces that have come out recently uh, here and basically some of them've even stated that US producers have won one went as far as saying that OPEC is on the run. And my question is do you think that that's true? Has have the US shell producers won when it comes down to OPEC?
3: Oh, uh, <laughs> you know I, that's a, that's an answer that um, I don't think there is a yes answer to that question. I don't think I don't think America's producers feel like they've won anything over the last three years, and frankly, I don't think OPEC feels like it's won anything. I think I really believe that if that if you could have a, a ten minute honest, just and frank conversation with the ministers of Saudi Arabia. They would tell you they would love to go back to about this time in 2014 and not make the decision to flood the world market with oil, because at that time they were producing, you know, maybe eight million barrels of oil a day out of their own uh, country, but they had a price of a hundred dollars a barrel. You know, and now they're producing about nine million barrels a day, so they've gotten some of their market share back. But they're selling it for fifty dollars a barrel, so they've produced their production, they've increased their production, their market share ten percent maybe, uh, in three years, and they've reduced their price by half. So what do you think their cash flow is? It's it's a it's a trickle compared to what they were, uh, the income they were bringing in three years ago. So I don't think the Saudis feel like they want. And, and the U.S. industry, yeah, we become more efficient, more nimble. You know, we're getting higher returns, higher production out of each well we drill here in the United States. But again, we're selling that production at half the price we were selling four or three years ago. And we've had more than 200 U.S. producing companies, upstream companies, go through the bankruptcy process. Just last year, more than 200, and even more this year, you know, uh, not not in, in that range, but another few dozen. Uh, have declared bankruptcy this year, and that process is continuing to shake out. So, so I don't think I don't think uh, U.S. producers would tell you they think they have won anything in a battle with OPEC, and and I don't think OPEC uh, will tell would in an honest moment tell you they would go back three years ago, and make the same decisions they made then. Everybody would probably like a do-over. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Frankly, that's involved in this competition.
1: Well, I think the main thing is so. Then there really are some winners here, aren't there?
3: Well, the consumers,
1: for sure. Exactly. Right? Every time you sell your (laughs) gas. Exactly. And I think that at the end of the day, those are the ones who are the most happy with, all right, let's get some normal prices here, and let's try to level out this market. And um, maybe what has been going on for years that's been very lopsided is now evening out, and maybe there is a potential for a long, hopefully a little bit longer term, where it's more even and the consumer is the winner at the end of the day versus OPEC or, you know, large oil producers, wherever they may be.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The consumers, I, you know, every time I fill up, I marvel at how much less it costs than it did three years ago. And uh, I got kind of a gas gust of a car, so I'm glad for that.
1: Well, you know, David, um, we it's been a pleasure having you as a guest today. Um, but, you know, you, you come on and you help us understand how oil and politics work. Um, and you're able to break things down in a way that all of us can understand. But you really do so much more for our organization. You know, In the Oil Patch Radio Show is produced by Shell Magazine, and you're actually an editor on the publication. You do a lot of great writing on how important oil is to all of us and break things down. So I just wanted to encourage our listeners to follow you. you. You write for Shell Magazine. You also write for Forbes Magazine. You're very knowledgeable. And so I just wanted to let our listeners know, you have an energy expert. He's with us every week. If uh, you want to learn more information on David Blackman, go to shellmag.com. Follow him on Facebook. David, thank you for being a guest on our show again today and helping us put together the pieces of OPEC and the United States Producers.
3: You bet. I enjoyed
0: it. Thank you for having me. Kim, okay, mean, what, what a great guest, David Blackman. I mean, the guy's a, he's brilliant.
1: He's an energy genius.
0: Guru. He's the energy. Guru. That's what we ought to call him, the energy guru. <laughs> I, and agree. You know, I I really wish we had three or four hours just to sit there and pick his brain because the guy knows so much about every aspect of the industry that it's, it, it boggles my mind.
1: Hey, luckily we get him on the show anytime we want, so I'm well, pretty we sure we can do often. that. we Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> but right now we are running out of time, so let's get to trivia, Kim.
1: Hey, be the first person to email the correct answer of our trivia question to radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at shale, com, and you will win yourself a $100 gift certificate to Fogo de Chow, an amazing Brazilian steakhouse. Today's trivia question is, what is David Blackman's title at Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine? Remember, be the first person to email the correct answer to radio at shellmag.com and you will win a $100 gift certificate to Fogo the Chow Brazilian Steakhouse. Well, that's all the time we have for this show. Be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com in the patch radio show and follow us on Twitter at shellmag. That's going to wrap another great show up. We'll see you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Adios.
0: In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.